0: Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs.
1: Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson Twice will love the, no, we'll no, no, the no, 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 oh, no! Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to heart of Midlothian football club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson.
0: I never thought I would utter the phrase, Laurie, I'm sitting here in a Rochester hotel overlooking Sticky Lips Barbecue Juke Joint.
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess it wouldn't have been high on my list of predictions of of things to come for the podcast.
0: Yeah, I I just wanted to get your reaction. That's all. Um, this This is like mini Time Castle here. There's me... There's a guy called Stuart Beck, who's one of the caddies he carries for Adrian Moronk, the recent Italian Open champion. There's also Stuart Davidson, who's carrying for Minwoo Lee. And there's some lad called Ewan Murray, who's also here. And it would, it would be amazing if if Ewan would come on today. But I messaged him earlier and he's like, nah, son, too busy for that shy TV podcast of yours. So it's just it's just you and me then, Laurie.
2: I would I would never deride your podcast in that manner. Oh hello. You, should, um, you also forgot you forgot Ian Stoddart, who's the manager of Bob McIntyre also exactly. a big heart supporter. He's also here.
0: So I messaged Stoddy earlier. Sorry to kind of go down the golfing route straight away, but Robert McIntyre was out on the course today, the only Scott in the field. So I messaged Stoddy and said, Bob says you would rather stay at his house that he's renting and eat his mum's sticky toffee pudding because Bob's got his mum over, and she's a good cook. Um, and Study responded, Bob is a wee dick. That, there you go. So, yeah,
2: lots well, of jambos. Was...
0: That's five jambos here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, I bumped into study earlier. Man. We were just chatting about hearts. So, yeah, that, there, is, there is quite a little enclave here in upstate New York. It's yeah, all no so...
0: fly over, Laurie, if you want, and then we can uh, discuss yeah. the Aberdeen game in person.
1: Yeah, so just to clarify, um, we are delighted to be joined by Ewan Murray of The Guardian. <laughs> of course, a Hearts fan, um, but also a big golf fan. So he's over in the States in the same vicinity as Mr. Donaldson. And for those who maybe haven't tuned in previously or are not aware, it's because they are hitting that we ball around for for shits and gigs, isn't it?
0: For, for a lot of money. <laughs> oh, for hours on money. end. I mean, so... <laughs> Unbelievable. By the way, we have to decide which song from the Jambo Tribe shall be belting out your hire car this year after we did it in Tulsa twelve months ago. I think it was Henry Smith twelve months ago. So we need another Jambo Tribe number one best selling song when we uh when we when we meet up later this week, Mr. Martin. Absolutely. Good plan.
1: Good plan. Um we won't make those plans on this week's podcast, however, because we've got Lots to talk about. There's enough faffing and tangents already in the opening couple of minutes. Uh, So, of course, we're going to speak about St Mirren against Hearts, which took place on Saturday just past. We're going to look ahead to Aberdeen, as Mark says, the big game coming this Saturday lunchtime. We're going to talk a little bit about players who played for Hearts and didn't quite reach their potential. We've got quite a few suggestions from listeners via social media. And I suppose we should at least mention as well, A certain anniversary on the day of recording, probably not on the day when you're listening, 16th of May, a 25th anniversary year for a certain cup win back in 1998. And anything else that might come up um, before we get cracking? I guess one bit of news before we get into the submitting game, Stephen Humphrey's departing hearts before, um, before the end of the season. There's been uh, reference to the issues been being on with Wigan, wages getting unpaid, and I think maybe some distractions for Stephen Humphreys. We don't we don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, Mark. So there's no point point in us speculating about that. Um, it, you know, he's he's not going to go down as a a fantastic Hearts player by any means, but certainly someone who gave us one of the greatest goals maybe we'll ever see at Tynecastle.
0: I think so, and I, I don't. I mean, we've seen many wonderful goals at Tynecastle uh mainly from hearts. I remember Albert Riera scored a peach for Bordeaux in a European game. But no, I mean that's that's up there. There was a time we kind of thought how are we going to make this work? Because he would be a great addition to the squad, but I think it was on like twelve, thirteen grand a week down at Wigan when he was getting paid. So it was always going to be a difficult one. And yeah, I mean he'll he'll leave us and I think he's up for a goal of the season. So it'd be a fitting tribute <laughs> well, to him if he if he won that.
1: Well the the Sky Sports one, the the official one they put out was won by Jota of Celtic, which really? caused caused lots of uproar. This is this is why this is why people should not get up um it, up, up any sort of uh, annoyance at that is because it went to a vote. Now, when you oh, put it out for a public vote, um, the goal of the season is going to be one that's scored by a Rangers player or a Celtic player if, if they've got. Nominees because they have the most fans, so um, I saw a lot of reactions to of you know a lot of outraged reactions, but there's just not really much point when it goes to a vote, so yeah, there was actually a few far better goals than the one that actually ended up. A few people made the point it wasn't even celtic's best goal um, it wasn't even Celtics goal of that month in particular, a few people said, but there you go um but what what were your lasting memories of Stephen Humphreys B Ewan?
2: Um, yeah, that goal, I mean, he'll, he'll always be remembered for that goal against Indy United, a, a fantastic moment. Um, I just think he, he was really poor when he came, I mean, he was coming off the bench really laterally and his performance was, performances were were very, very poor. Um, he was affected by the situation at Wigan, as you would be, and if you're not getting not getting paid, certainly not getting paid the vast majority of your wages, it's a difficult situation. Um and I think that made life difficult for him. And he, and he wants to go away, clear his head. And I think from his point of view, hopefully get a fresh start in the summer. But, you know, I must admit, I, I shrug my shoulders. That I don't think he's any great loss at this point of the, the season in terms of what's happening on the pitch. And um, I hope he can get his stuff, you know, straightened out and, and can start afresh um, from next year. I, I think ultimately we, f- we found out why he never really got above Lee One as a level. I think at first he thought, this guy's got physicality, He's got ability, you know, maybe we'll, we've caught a gem here, but I think ultimately we find out why he had largely played at the level he has, he has played at.
1: Certainly, we wish him all the best. But um... the, goal, the, goal,
2: the goal for it. sorry, was another one. That was, a for all it, it, the context of the game, maybe it didn't mean much, but the, the goal he scored against Fiorentina away was, um, that was another very good moment. So he, he left us with a couple of them.
1: Yeah, I was I was still queuing it into the ground at that point, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Saw it in the highlights when I got back to, got back to Scotland. Anyway, yes, all the best to, to Stephen Humphreys, and thank you for that absolutely ridiculous goal. <sighs> You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, let's get started with our... Match review from St Mirren against Hearts that took place on Saturday. In terms of team news, Mark, not really much to discuss in this sense. Uh, Alex Cochrane was, of course, suspended. Uh, unfortunately, Stephen Kingsley was unavailable due to some personal issues, um, which meant Andy Halliday had to come in at left back. The only change, not really much in the way of options for Stephen Naismith in terms of that after his first and second choice picks for that position were unavailable. Um, I, I suppose when you saw the setup and what we saw in the first half of the Celtic game and the Ross County game, were you feeling reasonably optimistic before this match, given St Mirren's form?
0: Yeah, and then the game kicked off. I mean, the, the team selection understandable. Uh we, we spoke about Hill and Atkinson last time out. Obviously, Atkinson came on, set up. Janelli's goal. Halliday in at left back the obvious one. Um, no Cochrane and no Kingsley. It was it was the battled hearts again, wasn't it in that first half?
1: Yeah, and I think you know, we felt the sense of optimism in terms of this is a slight change. Obviously, we we had such a a low tempo, especially in the latter stages in the Robbie Nielsen. There was a lot of possession, but not an awful lot with it. And teams had found out a way to play against us. And it, it's funny to think back to that last visit to Paisley um, was when the kind of Snodgrass element really got found out. Um, in the Certainly, especially in that first half, you remember, St Mirren played us very well. They had, like I think, 20-something percent possession that last time in the first half, but they were the better team. And they just gave us the ball, let us knock it around, pressed um, in the right areas, and hit us quickly on the break. And I, I suppose you in one of the frustrations. I mean, the, I've not got the stats in front of me, but we had the stats at halftime, and Hearts had around two thirds possession in the first period, but did nothing with it. And St Mirren had a two-goal lead. There was. We'll talk about some of the decisions, but they were certainly the better side. Was there an element of disappointment from you in terms of we're playing a St Mirren side? We know what St Mirren do. They're well organised. They want you to have the ball. You know, they they don't want to be dominating possession and having to carve open chances. They want you to have the ball and they want to hit you on the break. Um, did it feel like we'd just kind of taken a step forward and then two steps back again with this game? Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, I think we were fortunate to get very fortunate to get a point out of it. Um, and, it and it did feel like the kind of bad old days of the Robbie Nielsen latter, or, or maybe not. In fact, the way form generally was poor anyway. So the bad old days of Robbie Nielsen's team that's what it was like. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised at that because it's largely the same players. Okay, there's a different guy in charge and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe it's no big shock. I, I think, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that's 15 points from 14 away games this season. Is that right? It's somewhere in that ballpark, which is poor. It's not good enough. It's certainly then, only
1: three wins. I know that because that was us trying to get a fourth away win.
2: They, they are, so that's nine. I think I think it's 15. I think, I think it was going to be 14 and... and the penalty made at fifteen and and that that speaks to a deeper issue and and there I say a cultural issue um around the squad and around the players and and it shouldn't be like that they, they shouldn't be going to certainly like to St and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but um they should not be as passive they should not be um losing the soft goals that, that they lost and it was all pretty familiar, so you know <clears throat> there's a a bigger picture going on, and I think there will be a big shake up in the summer and that's much needed so. Maybe we shouldn't be too surprised about it, but definitely for um, at least an hour, it was very, very disappointing.
1: Yeah, away points. You're right. Um, fifteen points in total. Only um, Livingston, St Mirren, Dundee United, and Kilmarnock have less than fifteen points from their away games.
2: That that to me should be put in the context of the league is is quite poor, bluntly, in quality and Hearts are spending significant amounts amounts of money, so. You know, I'm the first one to, to say that Rangers and Celtic should wipe the floor with everyone else. That That's, I think, just an f- economic fact. But you know, I'm not saying Hearts should wipe the floor. They have no divine divine right to win these games. But away from home, they have to be so, so much better. And, and that's a key thing that the new manager has to change for, for next season.
1: And put it this way, uh, St. Johnson have won double the amount of away games as we have. And Motherwell have won more than that. They've won seven away games. Hearts only won three. Yeah, so uh, so I
2: just mean I just mean you put it in that you know you know there's new manager bounce all this kind of stuff you know ultimately that's what one point out of nine under under Stephen Naismith. um, there hasn't been apart from you know the first half against Celtic was good but I, I still felt without you know a, a sufficient goal threat um, Easter Robe was obviously very very poor I would give him a, a pass for that in the sense that he'd only you know be with the team for a few days but. Saturday again to me just kind of epitomised why there's quite a big shake-up, including of attitudes actually needed um, needed in the summer.
1: I mean, I, th- I, think, six... we're, I think we're soft. I was going to say this, the think... six-one win against County was all right though. You give them that. Sorry, yes. So
2: that's <laughs> four. Is that, what was that? Then? Four points out of twelve. I was going to say. Uh, I
1: know. I know there've been a couple of games that weren't great, but we've got to give them. That's probably our best I, display of the season.
2: I forgot that. Although Ross County were absolutely <laughs> appalling, I, I, I realise completely, and I don't mean to be unfair. That's probably yeah. not so, continue, way. Mark. Sorry, I forgot about that.
0: That was poor. Selective statistics. We can, especially in the golf and the football world, we can take statistics and do what we like with them. But when we're accentuating the negatives, you still have to mention the, the Ross County game. And and that that was fine. But there is a lack of, of a spine in this team. Um, I'm trying to think of the managers that have had a proper spine. Craig Levine always had a proper spine. To the team, whether it was Presley all the way through and then it was a bit of bite in midfield with Hartley and Devries up front. And and can you can you think of, of recent spines that we've had? You probably have to think a fair bit back, because right now, we're, we're too soft. We're too soft defensively. I mean, Halkett's going to come back. That'll make a bit of a difference. But right now, Sibic and Rolls, again, they're bullied too easily. Can't defend set plays of the defence. Devlin and Haring, again, Cami gets around the place and I'd have them um, in the team. Um, And and haring as well, but you wouldn't say they're nasty players. So are are we too nice? Is that our problem? Because it it wasn't good at the weekend in that first hour.
1: I I don't really buy. I I don't really buy that, especially. I mean, in terms of talking about the, you know, breaking into individual players. I mean, but we're easily bullied as a team. I mean, Cammy Devlin puts in his stats are incredible for for putting in tackles and successful tackles and and ball recoveries, etc. Um, I think Haring can, Haring can put himself about, you know, with those, those vicious tackles, straight red card tackles he puts in. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think to an extent, it's. I think with the St Mirren game, I mean, I, I, there's got to be a, a degree of looking at how we approach the match because the way we approach Ross County and to a degree the way we approach the start of the Celtic, um, the first um, half of the Celtic game was excellent. I, I think the problem with St Mirren is a game where you you kind of have to change your tactics when you play Simarin.
0: Yeah, and that's no surprise. We know what they do. That that's what it, they do.
1: That's what I mean. I mean, I I think I don't know if this is one where you know boiling it down to being, you know, too nice. It's almost you know, why we couldn't implement the same type of game because, like I said, St. are are absolutely delighted if you want to have all the ball because you know they don't want it. They they want to play quick and direct, um, and they want you to try and you know play it from the back and then. Win the ball back in an area that they can then quickly get it forward. You know they don't want the majority of possession, so it, it felt like the but wrong I, kind of approach.
2: But, but Laurie, that would be that would be fine if if that was an isolation. My my point would be it, it's been the wrong approach at Livingston, it's been the wrong approach at Camar- yeah it's I, the wrong approach at Aberdeen. You know, it, it, there's too much of a an in away, away games, especially. There's far too much of a recurring pattern. For Absolutely, it be, for it to be for it to be coincidence. So that, that, oh that's no, the I'm. Thing about, attitudes have to change as much as tactics and all 100%. sorts of other things. They have to. The, the new manager's first thing, well, not first thing. One of the first things they have to do is, is shake up the team, plays away from home because the, the the points return is nowhere near good enough, and the performance levels, you know, routinely have been nowhere near good enough. Think... including because it's. I mean, people spend a lot of money going to these away games, it, it's, and and the away support has been terrific in number, and it, and it's. Again, you've got no divide, right? But I think people expect a lot better than what they've had on the road for now for too long.
1: Actually, I, th- I think it's one of these where um, we <laughs> do we sometimes approach these games, especially away from home, um, and try and implement a style that you just we just don't have the personnel to do, um, and it makes it very easy. You know, if Celtic want to implement. A certain style, and Celtic went to St. Mirren and didn't win as well. So it's maybe not the best example, but if Celtic want to implement a certain style, then they have obviously going to have a lot more room to do so because they have much better players than everyone else. Um, one team slightly closer to them, but on the whole, they have better players and much better players than everyone. Where we don't have that golfing quality that we can say, okay, we're going to slowly build out from the back. Um, and with St. Mirren, it's not easy to play a pressing game because, well, they're happy to sit in and sit deep and let you have the ball, so it doesn't really, it doesn't really fit in, in that manner. So, um, I, I just think it's one of these games where it feels like it's tactical naivety in some ways, and maybe there's a lack of, um, there's certainly a lack of aggression from certain players in these types of games. But uh, I would have liked to see something different, and in the second yeah. half as well, well, we get, we'll, well, get well that. there was no reaction in the second yeah. half. I felt
2: ultimately though, you're playing against a team that includes Curtis Main, Alex Gogic. Joe Shaughnessy, Greg Kilty. I mean, they, you know, these guys aren't... Hearts heart should have better players. And, and I think they do have considerably better players than St Mirren. That, that, you know, that, so... style. And what I that, mean is it,
1: not to the golfing class where you can just expect, well... No, no, but we'll, be we'll have the ball finished. and we'll carve them open because our our, our quality isn't to that well, extent. It's not Celtic quality.
2: No, but it, it, it should be, and again, I go back to it, especially on the basis of the wages paid, it should be a lot better than what we've watched. That—that—that's
1: my point. I, oh, I, I, I don't dispute that at all. I mean, um, I, I guess looking at the, the first half, which was you know, which was extremely poor. This this an opener comes from a, a corner kick, and I saw the Evening News put an article out there just earlier today that Hearts have the joint worst um total in terms of goals conceded from set plays, alongside St Johnston and Kilmarnock which probably sums up a lot of our issues. Um, and, you know, where does that come down to? Is that, is that just a personnel thing? Is that a tactical thing? Because, you know, we can see two set plays in this game. Now we'll talk, you know, I think the second goal, the free kick is a nonsense that's given us a free kick, but at that point you've still got to defend it. So, I mean, you look at the two goals, one's a corner into the back post. They did this at Tynecastle, they did it earlier in this game. According to the back post, header across the goal and it's stabbed in. Um, it, it, it's a very, it's almost a quintessential submitting goal. They're going to score uh, a set piece which is simple but it's it's just, it's it's simple but it's executed as they would look to do it and Hearts don't have an answer to it. And then the free kick, the second one, yeah, it, it's not a free kick. It's a poor decision by the referee. I don't know why he's given a free kick but um, Ryan Strain's only going to go one position and that, I said this to Mark, I said this to you after the game, Mark, I've got to question Zander Clark a bit there, because from the position Ryan Strain's taking the free kick, he's not going to be able to whip it across to the far side and beat the goalkeeper. It would have to be an incredible strike. But why is Zander Clark so far across his goal? The only place that Ryan Strain's going to try and go is that near post. And we know he can take a decent free kick. He left it. He he basically invited him to do it. Yeah. Um, it just felt like two very avoidable goals. If we, you know, if we take away the fact the second one should even been a free kick, I think we're too predictable.
0: What happened at St Men the last time you spoke about Snodgrass? We tried to continue doing that for another couple of months at least, and they, they were easily um, we were easily worked out. But defending set plays, I mean, it's the same old story. We're missing a nasty bastard. We're missing an organizer. So- we are.
1: I, Craig I, I don't know.
0: Of course we're missing Craig Halkett. But I I don't think Kai Rolls has progressed as well as as we would have thought that he would have done. I mean, I think the kid's a good player, but I'm I don't know if he needs to bulk up or walk, because he, he gets bullied easily now. He's a he's a good, honest, solid defender. He's got pace, but he's easily bullied. Um it's it's easy to look back at the game at Tanadice and say it went badly wrong since Craig Gordon hasn't played because you got to remember the early stages. Andrew Clark was was outstanding in some of the first games, but he was he was as busy as Craig was, and this isn't something that's that's new. It wasn't like we were brilliant when when Craig was there. That that hasn't been the case this season. We give I the opposition like one too many chances, isn't it? Exactly, and he he was overworked. He Craig was overworked last season as well, but. The opposition last season didn't put together the same kind of runs that Aberdeen have this season. And I've said it before, one of our strengths last season was our opposition's weakness. I just hope we don't find ourselves two or fewer points adrift of Aberdeen come the end of the season in third. Because if we do, then this is the game that we'll look back on. Yes, we got a point And yes, it's probably going to be enough to finish at least fifth. It's going to be enough to get European football but come on, for a game we had to win and we knew we had to win, that's not good enough.
1: What did you think of the the change at halftime? So we went in 2-0 down at the break and uh, you know I've got to mention David Dickinson, the referee, uh, starting you to look like he was... Would... fucking selling antiques. Ah, he lost the game a bit. I mean, the, the, the decision for the free kick seemed bizarre. We said at the time, it just seemed like... Hill won the header and cleared it I mean the, the St Mirren fans who in that West stand are mental <laughs> um, Were baying for a red Card uh, to, to Robert Borthwick and, and my um, Bemusement <laughs> But half time you know we've got A two goal deficit to try and Claw back um, we, we bring on Nathaniel Atkinson For Andy Halliday and then we move uh, Kai to left back I mean, wh- wh- What did you guys make of that?
2: it was, it was the roles had been booked, I think already by that point. I, I think that was my worry that he was on a booking and he was yeah he got an early here. one yeah um I thought Atkinson made a big difference, a positive difference, and I actually thought Grant did as well when he came on. I thought the two of them helped i mean Atkinson Atkinson is a bit unlucky because he he was the one ray of light I thought that used to road when he came on, he played well and then he played against ross county, he had to come off injured he got banged against advertising hoarding, I think, and then he then I think, if I forget this, I'm pretty sure I'm right, he was ill, so he couldn't play in the... couldn't start the Celtic game when Hill played exceptionally well. So he wasn't going to come back in the team. So it, he's a little bit lucky, a little bit unlucky to have been out of the team in the first place and not, you know, not be starting. So I think he would have done. Um, but I thought when he came on, he did very well. And I thought Grant, who I, I think is a good player, and I think is a bit of a raw deal, I thought I thought he did well too. Um, and listen, they, they did well hold themselves back in the game. You would say that. And, and the other point... When we're talking about all these mistakes and errors, there's a confidence issue. Obviously, their, their confidence must be quite low because they've had a tough few months, and that can make ordinarily good players go into their shell a wee bit. And, and I think that's happened. Um, but they but they responded well. And and Mirren, you have to say, Samarin, weirdly, um, they, they they were confident, confident, you know, confident and comfortable in trying to just hang on to that lead and thought that would be enough. That 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 was bad from their point of view. I think their manager admitted it after the game. So. Their failings also contributed, um, but you have to give Hearts credit for getting back into the game because for all the criticism they get, they, they didn't just chuck it and, and lie down and let it fizzle out 2-0. Uh,
1: yeah, however, Mark, what did you make of the second half reaction? Because Hearts, hearts get a go back and I think uh, Ewan's right to credit uh, Nathaniel Atkinson, he, he certainly mm-hmm. looked r- lively when he came on. He did very well to set up the goal for Janelli That's 17 minutes to go. Now until 17 minutes to go, his hearts looked like they were offering much of reaction <laughs> to the reaction no. to, the, to the first half.
0: No. We spoke earlier a few weeks ago and it was a continual theme about Barry Mackay and playing him in certain games and not playing him in others. I mean it, well, it's not just Barry Mackay. I thought Oda was poor and, and it, we can't, we can't keep calling him a project if he's in the first team, um, and he, he keeps his place. There's talent there, of course there is, but they have to work on him on his on his final touch, on his final through ball because it's it's not there right now. it is, it, 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 it is good coaching, doesn't it? It, he it does. Is, it, is, it is coached. Hundred percent, he does because there's a talent there. There's definitely yeah. something there. Um, you can call him a project. That's what they've they've been saying. I mean, look. <laughs> When when I look at the, the player, we just we just haven't had it this season. We haven't had it consistently enough. And and if we if we get third somehow, then amazing. But I don't think we've deserved it over the course of of the season. And, and hopefully we end up with with European football. And yeah yeah, there was a reaction, but come on, that reaction should have been from the first whistle. That that's the disappointing thing. The games that that we had when when we went through the, the bad spell, even I mean it was it was it was like the Hibs game. And I don't know why, but I was adamant. I was convinced that we would get a reaction. New manager, Hibs, if you can't get up for that. And it was insipid. And this was oh. similar in the first half. And there's, there's, a, there's, I think Ewan's right. There's a number of players there who haven't done their case for longevity of a stay at Tynecastle um, any good. The problem is some of them are on long-term deals and we need to either coach them, make them play better, change their attitude or their mentality or we need to bring in players that that can do that because there's nothing to suggest that these players next season could suddenly become world beaters a lot depends on on who the the person is that that comes in to to take over as permanent manager and that's kind of gone quiet right now.
1: Ewan uh, we've spoken to you previously about Josh Neely, I think um, now he's someone who's in the the press just this week uh, talking about his new deal and suggesting you know, he's keen to to stay at Hearts, but the suggestion is he's obviously going to look for a little bit more longevity with his contract if he's going to stay because his family are, are still south of the border and if he's going to relocate them I guess he doesn't just want to be for a potential 12 month stay and then moving on again so he, he obviously got another goal in this one, 11 for the season and he's involved in what would eventually be the equalizer for Hearts in terms of winning it? But what what do you make of him? Is, is he someone that Hearts should be looking to to keep around and potentially give maybe a a two or a three year deal deal to
2: On balance, no. And, I, and I've come and gone with with Ginelli. I've never been quite sure. But on on, on balance, I would let him go. Um, and my, my rationale was: um, one, he's he's very very inconsistent. Two, he's not a wide player. You can't play him wide because he, he he can't cross the ball bluntly. Um, the way he has been useful was in this um, centre forward role because his pace really worries teams. But I would hope, come the summer, we can find a centre forward who can make those, you know, then I a, a, a proper centre forward who can run in behind like that. Ellis Sims is the kind of player you want. I, I hope they can find someone else to play that position um, properly anyway. And if they do that, then Ginelli gets knocked down the pecking order and becomes a second or third choice striker and, and I think on balance giving him I would imagine he wants a, a decent amount of money to stay. If you're saying he wants two, three years or longer, I I think on balance no. I I wouldn't be pushing the boat out to, to keep him. I, I know there's a there's a train of train of thought that we should, but I I, I just think no. I, I wouldn't be particularly bothered if he if he leaves. We need pay soon, don't we? Yeah and he has that. But I mean I I just think you you know a centre forward he, he has ended up playing and he, and, he's, and he has been useful in that role because teams are terrified of how quick he is. But I think if you can find an orthodox striker who can run in behind very well um, and has a better goal threat, an all-round striker's game than Ginelli, that that's what you want in there, not, not Josh Gianelli. So my, my point is he, he should then become a backup player and it's probably not worth whatever the considerable outlay would be to keep him. And then actually I would be fascinated at the level
0: at which he would, he would go yeah. to. Um, I really he's, he's not a Jordan Roberts, is he? He's far better than, than that, because I think, did he not go to Motherwell? Um,
2: yeah, is he not playing for... Uh, I saw him recently playing for someone. Anyway, yeah, but he... The, the other thing is, I'm always slightly suspicious of players who have their best run of form when they're committed to contract. Yeah. And, that's, and that's happened with him. I mean, if you, if you, if you analyse his entire contribution to Hearts, has it been that impressive? I, I don't think so. So, on balance... And, and I, as I say, I've flip flopped on him, but on balance, I, I think I
0: would let him go. I think if you can get somebody similar in for what you're paying him, then fine, let him go. I, I think he's handy to have around. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago about we don't know what his demands are, and and well, what 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 is he capable of? What what team? What level? Could I mean his his agent and and him? Like we all have for ourselves, we think we can do X. Whether we can is a is another story, but. I just want to kind of play devil's advocate with everything that's been said and about the spine of the team and being soft and and kind of not having um that that kind of nastiness. You put Craig Gordon, Craig Halkett, Benny Berengemy, and Liam Boyce into that site. And of course you make it better. You give it a bit more uh, of a spine. And, and it's been, they're four of our best players and we've not had them this season. So to hopefully have them all back, Craig's probably going to be towards um, the end of the year rather than after the summer. Um, have we heard an update on, on Benigami and Boyce? I've seen them in training with pictures. Um, is I there any likelihood of getting them back by, by the end of the season in time for the head game? Just,
1: still just a potential before yeah. the end of the season
0: you you'd have
2: to. I think with them that the the debate would be: is it worth the risk? They probably yeah. could. They probably could play one or two games, but they've been out for so long. Yeah. they will be. They will be susceptible to hamstring injuries and other kinds of injuries. Is it is it worth it for for that one or two games? I think that's the, the conversation. The problem. It might on. depend how much
1: we're still playing for. I suppose the last. Boyce is um. Game well, or two.
2: Boyce is interesting because and Mark, you're absolutely right. That 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 spine of the team has been a a huge loss. But Boyce not been fit. Has allowed Shankland to play in that position that Boyce would ordinarily yep. play in. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how is the room if if you if you work on the basis Shankland cannot play as effectively in the number nine position that Janelli has played when Boyce is fit? How how do you fit in both Boyce and Shankland? That, that's difficult if they're going to keep playing the same way. Of course, so, the new manager might might not entirely, but that beca- that's going to become a debate. So can we can we just play four,
1: touch four two? No one does three that three anymore, of- do they? No one does. Well, that, fashion. Why,
0: why, <laughs> so, why, why, why can't we? So there's
1: no, see, when you look at... Just going back to janelli I mean, I I, I... I I would argue there's certainly merit to, to to looking at his contribution since we've pushed him up there. When you look at his stats for the season, so it was 11 league goals and he's got one in the Cup as well. Um, So 12. And I think if you include winning penalties, which I don't like doing, but I'm not going to go through all the stats just now, but there's six assists Um in 38 games overall but if you boil it down into position when he's actually been played up front from the start anyway and this is just using transfer markets so there might be some discrepancies in terms of he might have been moved up front during a game but according to that it's just 19 games he started up front because predominantly at the start of the season he was being played out wide um and a lot of games so 10 of his goals apparently came um when he started up front so 10 and 4 in terms of assists, if we get the penalty wins. So that's 14 goal contributions in 19 games. That, that's a pretty good return when he's been played as a centre forward.
0: Yeah. Again, it all depends what he's asking for. If he's oh, yeah. I sorry, mean, but he, yeah, I but I mean, we just, we just, he'd just he'd don't have know to realise. No, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put together a, a wee 4 4 2 just now. Mackay left wing or left midfield, Gino right midfield. Devlin Devlin or Haring alongside Benigni with Boyce and Shankland up front. Now, no, you, you can't, up,
2: no, no pace there. these
0: strikers that, that could, are quick. Yeah, you've got you would have to adapt your game plan I, and you're not going to put a ball a deep ball and run in behind. You're not going if to do that. You're playing the
1: current system. There's more, you know, Janelli is the one who's who offers that something different. Boyce and Shankland are both very good players, but neither of them are very quick. Um, could, so you play, could you play? Could you play a four-three-three with Gino doing
0: what he's doing right now? Boyce and Shankland as a kind of duo, and is Mackay, Beningame, and Devlin or Haring is that giving you enough in
1: midfield, or is that giving uh, you the spine? Bi- or is that too soft? Uh, it's a bit imbalanced, isn't it? I don't. This, is, probably... I mean, uh,
2: this is fascinating because I, I would think a, a new head coach will come in with with completely. Different ideas on this. The the team could look, and I think probably will look, completely different. <laughs> that, that's the that's the that's the grey area here.
1: Yeah, until you know who's going to come in, they might not. Exactly. But then, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to discuss the individual merits of of Josh Janelle, and I've been pretty. I would have said early on in the start of the season, Judy would have been out to me whether I'd want to keep him long term. Um, after last season, you know, kind of impact player. Does well some games, totally anonymous Other games, and don't get me wrong, he's, he's, it's not like He's, every week he's turning up in, And tearing things up, I actually thought he was pretty Poor against St. Merin for the most Part, but he got himself On the score sheet and he won a penalty, he's he's just his, his contributions Have certainly started to sway me a little bit In terms of even when he's not having the greatest game He certainly seems to be getting involved Enough to actually you know Have an impact on games Um, And lots of players are like that You know, you, if, if Josh Ginelli was doing that We've said it about Barry Mackay, uh, although Barry Mackay is maybe a bit, bit more extreme this season, but if Josh Gianelli was doing, doing it every week, constantly was hitting the back of the net or setting up goals, then he'd be nowhere near hearts with the pace he also has. Um, I, I just think it's hard for us to find players who who have that kind of pace, but are also starting to kind of back that up with goals or goal contributions. Especially since you know the second half of the season, we've had a lot of poor runs of form as well. It's not like we've been battering teams constantly left, right and centre. Um, uh, it's it's one that'll be interesting, I think. We don't want to get too caught up in it just now because we've not talked about um, the probably the biggest moment of the game because after Hearts get back into the game, courtesy of that Josh Ginelli goal, uh, I, you know, I was feeling like suddenly we've got something to build on. And then within four minutes, Hearts a little bit sloppy. I'll let Sitman pick up and go on the break. And Peter Haring does what... Most footballers do at this level. He, he nullifies the threat on the break. You can see St. are starting to counter, but they're still in their own half. So he takes one for the team, I think is what we call it. Slides sure. in. He's not trying to play the ball. He's just trying to trip up Mark O'Hara and um, and we're just ready for the yellow card to be issued. Yeah. And David Dickinson pulls out a different colour of card. And I I, I think was not the only person who was absolutely astonished at Sintman Park about this one.
0: I, I think what's happened here, and I might be totally wrong, but this would make sense. I think Willie Colum's intervention the previous week and the furore after that, and the kind of everyone saying it was or it wasn't, um, denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity, I think there's been chitter-chatter among the refereeing fraternity and at the top, and basically saying, look... We don't really want this unless it's a totally clear and obvious error. So back the referee's decision. So with that in mind, I, I think if that happens without the Cochran incident and the Willie column, I think the video assistant referee says to David Dickinson, go and have another look at that, pal, because it ain't a red card. Come over. Just have a look. You'll see it's not a red card and we'll overturn it and we'll we'll drop it down from a red to a yellow. But because of what happened the previous week, I think they closed ranks. And I might be completely wrong, but it makes sense to me why the video assistant referee has gone with the, the call on the field. Because that, in essence, is two people getting it wrong. That's what I think has happened. I don't know when um, the appeal gets held. Her- Tomorrow. It's Wednesday at the time of recording. Okay. So by the time this goes out... I would be amazed if it's not been overturned, and Scott, where does that leave them?
1: Yeah, well, I it mean, it's
0: it's a nonsense. It really is. But but the yeah. video. Do you see what I'm saying about the video assistant referee? If it, if Cochrane and Callum, it's also said, an inexperienced.
1: It it's it's also a referee who would, um, who probably would maybe feel uh, doesn't have. Senior and we we spoke about this last week. So, to,
0: yeah, you're right, but it shouldn't have anything to do with it. No, it
1: shouldn't, but we spoke about this last week, and Des Des Roche came on, obviously the former grade one referee, um said we asked him the question. We said, if this was if the Cochrane incident happened and it was a different referee, if it was any of the other referees, it wasn't Willie Collum, does he think there would have been an intervention? He said, No. So uh, this was Alan Newland's. Um, on VAR, who doesn't tend to get match referee gigs? I'd I would be lying if I said I knew much about him, but I, he he tends to either be fourth official or in VAR duties. Is he the type who would maybe look to to overrule the match referee?
0: Well, what, what's the point here? Basically, so if we're putting a less experienced official in charge of VAR. Then we're never going to get anyone having the the balls to kind of stand up to the man in the middle. Oh, it's a nonsense. But I I can only
1: like, we could have done with Willie Collum on VAR on Saturday because he would have definitely wanted to stick his nose in and say, no, go and have a look at it.
2: Laurie, was Alan Ewan's name on the team sheet as the VAR official?
0: No, he was fourth official. No, who was
2: Ewan's? Ewan's. Right. My my point is the the SFA website shows that Greg Aiken was. Yeah, Greg Aiken was. He was well, yeah. well, well. According oh, was it to Greg Aiken, Sorry, okay. The, but according to the SFA website, he was also the VAR for the Old Firm game at half past twelve.
1: No, I had it down as Alan Newlands.
2: Alan well, Newlands was
0: fourth official.
1: Graham Granger Scott. was fourth official, wasn't it?
0: According well, to Soccerway and various others, I don't
2: know. According, according, because I obviously looked to see who had done, who had, who, who was involved in this, and and still on the Scottish FA website, the fourth official, eh, sorry, the VAR. For St against Hearts is Greg Aiken, fourth official Alan Newins, blah blah blah, and Rangers against Celtic, VAR also Greg Aiken. Now,
0: yeah, it says that, doesn't it? Greg Aiken takes charge of VAR duties, assisted by David McGahey.
2: Well, he he is he is listed still on the Scottish FA, FA website as also doing VAR at St Hearts. Now that's so that, I... po- that is possible given the timings, but it, that doesn't seem right to me. Why no, he it wouldn't,
1: it, it wouldn't have. He wouldn't have been two games. So I took it from their website the night before for my notes, um, and it was it was definitely down as um, Alan Newlands Russia? there. And I'm looking at the Evening News preview says Alan Newlands as well. Graham well, Green was fourth official.
2: The Scottish FA website doesn't say that. It says David Dickinson, assistant referees Gordon Crawford and Gary Hilland. Fourth of, I'm looking at it now. Fourth official. Alan Newlands, VR Greg yep. Aiken.
1: Right, so I've I've cut out a little bit because we were just <laughs> talking about this, talking about this decision and um, the 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 list of match officials for the day, which was on the team sheet and was originally on the website pre match, um, appears like it might not be correct in terms of fourth official and VAR. So potentially something happened to Graham Granger who was, who was listed fourth official, which meant that Alan Newlands, who was listed as VAR, got moved to. Um, for the official duties, which meant Greg Aitken would have possibly been the one in the VAR room. Can't confirm that, but it looks like that might have been the case. Um, it's one of these things where, where does that get confirmed? Especially if you don't see the people in the VAR room. Um, if no one announces something, then do you even know? Because they're sitting in a room. Uh, but anyway, let, let's skip past the point about the... Experience level of who's in the VAR room, but um, it, it's disappointing, isn't it? Regardless of that, you uh, and it looks like we're getting another potential decision, which is well, it's certainly being um, appealed. Obviously, we're hoping it'll it'll be overturned. But I don't I, I don't want to rely on that happening. But another decision where it's having to go to an appeal is that it, it, it kind of seems like we're it's defeating the whole purpose of VAR that we're still having big errors and clubs having to appeal decisions.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I I would be astonished if that one isn't um, isn't overturned. That that would be that would be incredible. But but to me, the core point goes back to how can a VAR official look at that incident and say, yeah, it's not a clear and obvious mistake by the referee. The referee was right. That that should trigger major questions about what the v, the VAR individual, whoever he was, was um, was doing. That it makes no sense to me anyway. I, I mean, the appeals thing also. I think clubs are a bit worried over. Um, this frivolous appeal, yes, <laughs> ban as well. I mean, I mean, you know, Alex Cockerin. I think on balance, you probably wouldn't have won an appeal for that. But you know, I know that, that part of the decision making at Hearts was there's a danger if you appeal it, you get hit with that extra game, and Cochran would have missed. Um, I think this Saturday, the Aberdeen game, would he? He
1: would have missed. Yeah, rather than he's missing but, one game, then not this one, that, but then he's out for Rangers.
2: And that's not, you know, to me, that's not really right that a club fears. Appealing something on on what would be normal football grounds in case he's um, gets a longer ban, but anyway, that's a that's a tangent and a similar. point. Yeah,
1: that's 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 another one. Um, but Hearts somehow managed to dig in and to give them credit, you know, criticised a lot of the performance from the start and the start of the second half. But to be fair, down to ten men, um, they probably showed as much fight as we'd seen throughout the game. Mark and and in the end, forced an equaliser. I have to say. In real time, I said it in commentary, I thought it looked very soft, the penalty. Seeing it again, I can see why it's given and it's silly from the defender. I still think it's soft, but um, you, you can see why they wouldn't overturn that one, I think, when they review it. And I guess as as much criticism as he sometimes draws from the other side of the city, um, it's interesting that on a weekend of, of big spot kicks that Shankland dispatched... Another one, 12 from 12, and uh, a certain player from a certain other team could not convert.
0: Yeah, Mr. Reliable, isn't he, from, from the spot Lord in Shankland. Only time will tell if it's a, a good point in the end, or if it's two points dropped. And it's nice to get a point. And as I said, I think what it does, if, if we hadn't have scored that late penalty, then it, it would have brought St Mirren to within a point of Hibbs. And Hearts, we would have had forty-eight. Hibs would have had forty-eight, and St Mirren would have had forty-seven. So we are where we are. We have to beat Aberdeen this weekend, and it's you would have taken a point at two-nil down. But before the game, would you have taken a point? No. So for me, it's two points strong.
1: No, especially especially disappointing with the result for Aberdeen uh, drawing with Hibs, of course, and scraping a draw in the end in that game. But it means Hearts are still five points behind going into the next game, which we will speak to, uh, we will speak about, I should say, very shortly. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk I, I kind of briefly want to touch upon... Um, something that we spoke about uh, two weeks ago. We were going to touch upon it this week, which is players who didn't quite reach their potential at Hearts um, or in their careers, players who were coming through this system at Hearts, younger players, and maybe didn't quite reach the potential we thought they could. Now, we've had a few get in touch with some of these. I'm not going to be able to get through a lot of them, um, but I'll try and touch on some of them before we move on. Um, We had an email from Mantas, sorry, I think that's the right one. Um, uh, So Mantas uh, listens to the podcast, and he highlighted Novikovas um, as a player who he says was pacey, tricky, and highly rated. From where I'm from, so it's Lithuanian, obviously. He's went on to have a decent career playing in Bundesliga two, winning the league in Poland, and playing in the Turkish top flight two seasons ago. He's now thirty two and playing in the Israeli top flight. But having followed his career, it saddens me. I always felt he could have done a bit more if it wasn't for his arrogance and some injuries. Um, what do you? What were your feelings on uh, Ardvidas Novikovas? He was a, a player with plenty of pace and did have a decent delivery, but um maybe just not the right time for him when he came through at Hearts. It was obviously coming to the end of the the Romanov era and um, it was one of those that just didn't quite get an opportunity and maybe a better team.
0: Yeah, probably the third choice of the three wingers that we had. I know we had guys like Kucinavich or whatever, but they were just patsies. Um, Novikovas was fine. If we were to do a one-two between Chisnowskis and Mikulunas, because they were both above Novikovas. Who would you put as one, and who would you put as two?
1: There, in terms of contribution at Hearts, definitely Miko. Mm-hmm. Ability-wise, um, probably Chesnowska's yeah. technical ability. But I think uh, I think Miko contributed more as a Hearts mm-hmm. player, not just in time, not just in terms of the fact that he obviously had more years at Hearts and more games. But um, I thought he just gave us a little bit more. Um, over the period he was with us, than Czesnowskis, who had flashes and was a great player. I thought he was technically very good, but.
0: And I like so the ball. Uh, Yeah. I, it's funny, we're talking about players that maybe didn't quite reach their potential. There's a, face group, a Facebook group called Hearts FC 80s, and I saw a post today from Col Spencer, and this was the Hearts team, simply entitled The Stuff of Nightmares. Joel Pereira in goal. Oshiniwa, Popescu Hughes, <laughs> and Struna, Amankwa, Langer, Martan, and Castanier, Dauda, and Juanma. Did any of them reach the potential at Hearts? I think the answer is no.
2: Dauda was all right. He not scored quite a lot of goals in a short space of time.
0: <sighs> still, he's still the last player to score the winner at Pitordry for Hearts, is he not? And also,
2: I liked Juanma. Juanma was a good player. He, he's good on oh, it. He lived offside,
1: though, didn't he? He's been good been lived
0: offside. <laughs>
2: He's been in Japan. He's been in Japan for years, hasn't he? Hasn't he? I, I think. Uh, I think your correspondence is a bit harsher than Novikov. He, he had a career that quite a lot of players would gladly take. He, 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 I'm just checking, he won eighty-seven caps as well. I know it's, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't guess, media, not Brazil, but I, th- I think. I guess it's.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, w- when we put this out, we kind of put these sort of context behind it. That it doesn't necessarily. It could be someone who was a promising yeah, yeah. youngster and fell out of the game completely. It could have been someone who like, actually had a good career, well, but they thought, actually, they could have been I, really I, I,
0: good. Let We not mention Jamie Walker and David Templeton as, as well, certainly Templeton, because Walker achieved quite a lot at Hearts. So th- I think the whole thing that led to this was could he achieve even more, given how highly rated he was when he was a youngster, and did he make the most of the talent that that he had? That's kind of what led to the start of this.
2: Yeah. yeah it, could, that, I, I, mean, I, I noticed it's down myself, but it's difficult because you have to you have to say, the hype around these kids in the first place might be wrong, it might be unfair, so did they did they not live up to a potential level that probably was unfair in the first place, then yeah, that, that might be part of it. The, the ones I wrote down were, that, that sprung to mind, the ones there was noise around that never, or didn't do much, if anything, were John Paul Burns, uh, Mark Bradley, Stuart Callahan, who were all the same kind of era, Gary Glenn, and Stephen Simmons. And then the one... Mm-hmm. The one who Hearts brought in and there was a lot of hype around them, and it was ended up amounted to nothing was Jeremy Goss. That's a, yes. different, that, that's a different thing. But the, the, the ones, the five boys I mentioned initially were, were ones that would, I think, reality didn't match noise. And also, there's an explanation for this because of bad injury, but Gary Locke would be in that category. When he broke into yeah. the team, great excitement around him. English teams wanted to buy him. He could have had a, a far, far better career than he ended up having if not for knee injury so there's an explanation for Gary's inclusion in that but he um, I think he he has to be.
0: There was also a thing 30 years ago Hearts beat Dundee United in the Youth Cup final Um, and out of this team I think three of them made it into the first team which isn't bad from a youth side but here's the team Scott Strang in goal, Bobby Clyde, Kenny Milne, Robbie Nielsen, Darren Goldie, Stephen O'Donnell uh, McElroy, Severin, Chris O'Neill, uh, Ali Graham—I think it was Findlay. Uh, subs were Begley, Stephen Simmons was on the bench, and and Chambers. So there's so many that come through. Sometimes you just need a bit of luck. Sometimes you 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 get to places that you deserve. Other times you're on the outside looking in. But as far as hype is concerned, there's we've had a lot of of kind of talented youngsters, but not all of them have, have made the grade.
1: Yeah, we got a few messages. Some from um, uh, Alexander Scott emailed, and he he mentioned Gary Glenn, as someone who looked like a natural finisher, but um, obviously it didn't happen. He, but he also mentioned the likes of Matty Rapnik, uh, who starred on Soccer AM yeah. Skills School, uh, uh, looked to have all the tricks and flicks, and apparently was a real talent, but never even played a game for Hearts. Uh, but then he also mentioned Andy Driver, and said. Um, there was obviously the Burnley bid that came in, and he thought he was good enough to go there and be a top player. But I mean, the likes of Andy Driver, someone who went on, played in a cup final against Hibbs for Hearts. You know, many would regard that as Hearts' greatest ever triumph. Um, certainly, the biggest win in a a cup final against the rivals, winning by five goals to one. Played a lot of times for Hearts, but someone who didn't quite reach the potential given he was. At one point linked to Chelsea, but I think he said himself that was probably his dad that put that one in the in the press. Um, What else we had? Remember, um, remember, Gary
0: Wales told us about um, was it not breaking his leg when there was a bid, or Rangers were were interested in him. I always thought Gary Wales and Andy Kirk were just absolutely outstanding finishers, but there were other players at the at the uh, in the team at the time meant they didn't get the chances, and and who knows if they got the chances, were they good enough? Um, to play week in, week out. They were certainly good enough to come into the team and hold their own, but are they players that maybe could have done more if they'd had better opportunities I, at Hearts? I, th-
1: I think Gary Wales, absolutely. I, I like both of them. I think Gary Wales was could one add, that yep. had a whole lot of promise and I think could have uh, got even better. And he's someone else who had a solid career with Hearts and with Kilmarnock. Very well thought of Aaron Kilmarnock, I think, as well. But yeah, that injury obviously set him back quite a bit. Um I'm just having a look at others that we've had. Tommy Harrison suggested by Ian McLeod. Has been odd, real, and Scott That's Macintosh. a really good.
0: That's a really good shout. Do you remember the hype surrounding Tommy Harrison? Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a very that's a very good shout. I do. That's Man a United, super shout. Man United. Did he, did he go to Man United? Did Man United wanted, but there was something involved in Man United. There was United.
0: talk about Man United wanting him. I don't, don't know if he ever went there, but he was um he was someone that the hype was was unbelievable when, when he was coming through because he came through from Salveson, I think, to Hearts and it just what, nine appearances, less than ten appearances. And it was a journeyman career. I mean, he he, he went to places that have got out-of-town shopping centres, basically. That's that's the places that he, he played in. Um, Cumbernauld, Dunfermline, Carlisle, Berwick, East 5, Montrose. He was better than that, but never lived up to
2: it. I think... I think Tommy Harrison, this might be wrong. Someone will tell you if it is. I think Tommy Harrison, there was an infamous League Cup game against St. Johnson in the early 90s where I think Hearts were 2-0 up at home and 4-2. Tommy McLean was a manager. I think Tommy Harrison came on as a sub in that game and, yeah. then was substit- and then was substituted.
1: So, Scott McIntosh said, Tommy Harrison was publicly known to have rejected... Um, uh, interest from down south before signing with us, made his debut under Joe Jordan, showed promise and scored away to St. Johnson 93. Days were numbered after Tommy Thrush McLean subbed him as a substitute. There you go. Um, <laughs> so that was from that was, Scott that McIntosh.
2: Was a, that, was a, that was a horrible night and horrible game, but I think, I think that was with two up early on. And he, that, that, that was just a thing he never did. He, he subbed the sub. And that, yeah. was, that, that If that didn't literally spell the end for Tommy Harrison
1: did it metaphorically. Did it's like getting subbed in early on in a game as well, isn't it? First half or something. Um, Adam King mentioned by Gorgie Talk and Grant Hadden. Uh New Year's New Jersey Jambos is Alan Johnston. Looked like he was going to be a superstar. Didn't reach the heights I thought. Another one who did
0: Again, he well, but yeah, a good player. Yeah. Uh, so I think David it, Gray, the guy that lifted the cup for Hebs, he was at Hearts, was he not? Did he not go to Man United? Yeah, he
1: moved to Man United about sixteen, didn't he?
0: So, you'd, I mean, you'd, at that age, you're not sure if he's going to be something that that might that might work. And you get that bid from from Man United, and you suppose it. But was it fifty grand? You have to take it.
1: Uh, Jordan Buchanan says Joe Hamill and the first football manager oh four oh five was outstanding. The real thing did not live up to the potential that the game boasted of him. Yeah, I, I remember that when I had that football manager and Joe Hamill and Graham Weir both ended up um, being Scotland regulars and playing for Chelsea in one of my saves, I think. So they go so there you go. They they had the they had the potential in football manager that just didn't quite um transfer to real life. Uh Jambo piece is Gary Glenn, Kostadinov, Kopiel, Janchik, uh, I all thought would go on to be top players, especially Glenn and Yanchik. Uh, Kenny said there has been a few, Nikolai Todorov, Harry Cochran, Anthony McDonald, and Callum Morrison all spring to mind.
0: Anthony um, McDonald's an interesting one because he made the decision. I think his agent said, Oh, I can I can get you to Germany, and he ended up at a fourth tier German side that played at the old d- Olympics. Oh, no, you think
1: you're thinking of Andy Irving.
2: He's doing okay now. He's he's playing in a top league in Austria, I want to say. I
1: yeah, think that, you're right, that,
2: yeah. That's I think that's worked out well for him. He's he's doing he's doing decently.
1: Yeah, Anthony McDonald is a breaking now. There um, you go. Callum Morrison is one of those. Recently, I know he he had a bit of potential, but he was one. I, th- I think you said similar about Janelli. Um, you and I remember him being frustrating. He had a lot of pace. He could take a player on. He could beat a man, but always found his delivery was always lacking, just the final ball. And I think he's done pretty well with Falkirk by all accounts. But um, one of those yeah. that maybe just wasn't yeah. quite going to be up to standard for Hearts.
2: As I say, you have, you have to balance it against what kind of hype there was with these kids coming through. I mean, Anthony McDonald played uh, played very well in that 4-0 win over Brendan Rogers. Yeah, yeah came off yeah, the bench. To, and I think there's legitimate excitement now about a lot of the young kids in the system, James Wilson and Gus Stevenson, particularly getting them to sign new contracts, was a real... It was a boost for the club that these boys, who had a lot of interest um, south of the border, said, no, we think we're going to get a chance at Hearts. That also... You know, brings pressure on the new head coach to give them that chance. But I thought that was really positive. They're both terrific prospects. Macaulay Tate, who was on the bench as well, has been on the bench now a few times. Midfielder, very, very good young player. Yeah. Um, but you, but you learn. You, you kind of learn not to build these guys up too much because it can, it can go haywire. But I, you know, I know there is excitement within the club about a lot of the young boys in the system now, and and a key. Task of the new manager, I think, was to be give these give these kids a you know a chance because I do think it was a Robbie Nielsen feeling that there wasn't enough of the young boys given first team exposure and, and I think Robbie would argue and maybe he's right that, that the talent level wasn't there they weren't good enough he couldn't do it and, and Robbie knows better than me he sees them he sees them train but you know I hope Hearts can change that now I hope we can see more of the young boys in the academy playing in the first team otherwise you'd have to question you know what, what is the point. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, I was going to have a little chat about 98, but we've um, spent a little longer than expected uh, chatting about refereeing decisions, which is probably understandable, given the lay of the land. That's what happens when
2: you get me on. You can't get me on. The podcast just rambles on.
1: Ah, it's okay, I've got Mark to do that, so yeah, maybe two of you on is a bad idea. But I, so I'll tell you what, I don't want to just skim over that for 60 seconds, because it's like the 25th anniversary of, of that Triumph in 98. So let's touch upon it again maybe next week if we have time, Mark. Um, yeah, and- but can I just can I just say one thing about that? And it's something I don't think I've ever known before
0: that only came to light an hour ago. When Mark McKenzie, who was the stadium announcer at the time, posted it was 25 years ago that he got the players onto the pitch on the, the Sunday when he was hungover, and Stuart Fraser, the club's secretary, responded, Mark, I remember the celebration on the Sunday. You were keeping the fans entertained while I was informed by the match commander that they had received information there was an unexploded bomb at Tynecastle. I was given the task of searching the offices just in case. Happy days! Exclamation mark! I had no idea. Is this common knowledge? No, never heard that at all. Uh, and I,
1: I, I hadn't. I mean, I'm, I was just trying to explain that we were going to do this next week. No, but, I know, but um, it's it, it pertinent. <laughs> I'd never an unexpl- Can you imagine that
0: an unexploded bomb underneath a full stadium celebrating a cup triumph?
2: Well, it sounds like it's, someone phoned. It sounds like someone phoned up a hoax so the day to try. And yes,
1: hip, spoil, some hip fan or something. In. Yeah.
2: That was, yeah. uh, because, I, because I'm not on next week, the Sunday was a brilliant day. It was it the was. best day that Sunday because there was no stress. But the Saturday, and, and you can never explain this to people who are not emotionally invested in, in a football team. What I remember is the period from, from Ali McCoy scoring for, for Rangers to the final whistle was torture. It was absolutely horrible. Thinking, thinking for sure Rangers were going to score again. And, and you can never, I say you can never properly articulate what that feeling is like. To anyone that doesn't doesn't get it, and I, I, that always stayed with me. It was it was horrendous, and then the 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 relief, and the the emotion when that final whistle blew. But that but that for a spell was horrible. But the Sunday the Sunday was just the greatest day because it was there was no stress, no hassle. They'd done it, and and you could celebrate. Sorry, Laurie, I've completely disobeyed <laughs> your orders, but mm-hmm. I not say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. Have... <laughs> so uh, if it, <laughs> if you would like to share any of your own stories or memories from that weekend back in 1998 then do get in touch you can tweet at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk we'll try and touch upon it in a bit more detail next week we've had a lot of tweets about it already i think given it's the 25th anniversary it's worth revisiting a little bit um but to round off this week we will talk about hearts against and we're not going to focus on it too much because again we're running over a little bit but we've obviously got to preview it because it is a very big game. Uh, Mark, I did say to you at the weekend after the results, a, a wee bit of frustration about the fact that we couldn't go to St Mirren and put a performance in and get a, a victory because the perfect result happened between Aberdeen and Hibs, which was a draw.
0: Yeah, but no excuses. No, A, a point isn't enough. The, this has to be three points. This has to be the same first half hour that we had against Ross County. Not necessarily scoring three goals, but the same intensity it also has to be the same forty-three minutes that we had against Celtic. I think we saw that against Rangers that Celtic are pretty much down tools, knowing that they're they're going to win the title. Um, but still, we we had to perform, and I thought we did up until Cochrane got got sent off, which which makes on the back of Hearts putting six past Ross County and playing very well, and on the back of Hearts doing well in the first half, then that insipid display at St Mirren. So. Time to wipe the slate clean. Get the three points. Start quickly against Aberdeen, who are probably going to be without some key players. No excuses. Let's get get this gap narrowed to two points with two games to go, and uh, and see what the pressure does to them.
1: You and uh, you looking at Aberdeen. They've all had a, a fantastic run. They've not won in their last two games, but obviously before that, that. Um, seven-game winning run is what suddenly put them in pole position for a third place from from nowhere, really. Uh, what do you make of them? Uh, there's potential that Duke could be out. We don't know yet. We know he's got a hamstring issue. Graham Shinney will still be suspended. Doubts around Ross McCrory. Are Aberdeen um, a, a good side, who are just underachieving earlier in the season, or is it a slight false position in terms of Hearts hit a bad... A bad run in Aberdeen have managed to grind out a, f- a few great results, yeah, or somewhere they, in between.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they had that horrendous run under Jim Goodwin, very, very similar to what to what we did under Robbie Nielsen, which cost both managers their job. They had the, they had the Darvel Cup disaster in the middle of that as well. Obviously, um, I do think I, I think people who watch Aberdeen every week, if they're fair about it, would also concede they've carried they carried a lot of, a lot of luck in their winning run. Um, I think sometimes the, the results flattered Aberdeen. Now, fair play—they've got those results. Seven, seven wins in a row is going to get you.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, the play. same could be said about a few of our results oh, during 100%. our run as well.
2: Hundred percent, and I, I was the first to say that. But I think, I think Aberdeen had that. Um, Barry Robson has made them far more solid. They signed well um, in January, and also getting rid of the captain um, at centre back has improved them. So they're a different proposition to what they would have been under Jim Goodwin. Um, th- this game is funny because it, it, it so freakishly goes with the home team, the hearts Aberdeen yeah. fixtures. The, the home team just tends to win. They have a bad record at Tynecastle. We have a very bad recent record up there. Um, so I, would, I think Hearts should uh, maybe expect too strong, but they should go and believe in fully they can win this game because they've, got, they've had the upper hand at home against Aberdeen. And as Mark said... This is kind of the last chance. You know, we have to get three points. I, I must admit, uh, maybe I was overly pessimistic, but I, I kind of wrote off the third place thing a few weeks ago and I was kind of getting excited myself and the basis was going to be a new start and a rebuild and, and a fresh hearts for next season. Maybe I was premature because if we can get three points um, from Aberdeen on Saturday, that, that changes. It does become interesting with, with two games to go. But absolutely, you know, hearts should go in Believing they could win this game, that's the way it's gone. Duke missing would be a benefit to Hearts, obviously, and maybe maybe it is just that Aberdeen's luck has turned a wee bit against them again. Because as I said, I think they carried quite a lot of good fortune when they were winning um, winning seven games in a row. I mean, the, the Rangers one was a good example. Of the game Petardie, that Liam Scales
0: cross flies into yeah. the net.
2: <laughs> <laughs> think things like that were just, things like that just happen
0: Yeah, so, you just you think... don't know what nerves are going to do, do you? Because they, on paper, they've got a game against St. Mirren, and St. Mirren might not have much to play for. They might have fifth still to play for, depending on on how Hibs got on in their next two games, because I think they've got the, the old firm in their next two games. So ideally, we want St. Mirren with something still to play for when they go to Aberdeen. Now, you and I, Laurie, have had conversations in the WhatsApp group, and, and when we've watched Aberdeen, and times they have they might not have impressed, but they've done enough. And maybe it was a bit like us last season. I'm not having a go at them because the run that they went on, but... If we can beat them, nerves are a funny thing. This isn't just a place in Europe up for grabs. The likelihood is that Celtic are going to win the Scottish Cup. So third place is going to get at least £5 million and a group stage place. That's huge. It's huge for hearts, but it's it's massive for a club like Aberdeen. So if they're without their key players, who knows how nerves are going to be I'm Trying to be as positive as possible because we've got to go to Ibrox and we already know that we're yeah. the minute we go up the marble staircase, but things can change.
2: So, I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm it's trying I think positive. I
0: think, I think I that's
2: think we, we want to go to the, we want the Hibs game to mean something decent, exactly. right? You don't, want a, you don't want a derby in the last game of the season, particularly at home, that has no, of course, there's always significance to, to playing Hibs. Well, you want you want you want quite a lot to be on the line.
1: Well, that day. We're we have potentially to be battling for. Lead position still. It just it just won't be third if it goes if it doesn't go our way. But you're right. I mean, seventeen matches without an away winner between these two sides. And all, all hearts can do is try and go out and put in a good performance and win this game. But that's all they can do at this point. And that would make it two points between the sides. And like Mark says, suddenly then there's maybe a bit of pressure on Aberdeen, especially if they lose badly on Saturday because either they put in a very poor performance against Hibs. Um, probably should have lost but managed to scrape a draw if they lose this one suddenly it's two points between the sides so yeah you would think they would beat St Mirren which puts pressure on us because we maybe have to win at Ibrox but
2: St Mirren well, are, are really hard to play against I mean I, I give them that credit I mean you know we are reflecting on the game last week every game Hearts have had with St Mirren this season has been tough and, and that'll be the same for Aberdeen there's no there's no gimme there I mean yeah I I think uh, yeah, if it becomes two points, I think it's 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 very interesting. It's um, got to become two points, quite simple. Yeah, it's and it's also winner bust. Listen, the Hearts players should have a point to prove as well because the start to that game at Petardry, mind you, the rest of the game wasn't much better, but the start was dreadful. they, they should want to, they should want to show a better, offer a better reflection of themselves than that last game at Aberdeen because that was that was appalling. So so you know they should have a I hope they've got a point to prove against Aberdeen especially. <laughs>
1: Mark, in terms of the team, uh, it's obviously a little bit trickier now because mm. going into the the last couple of games, we've said there's not really much you'd want to change apart from if there's you know suspensions or injuries, but that was a pretty poor display to do you, do you think Steven Nesbitt can shake it up much as a case of going with a similar setup, similar personnel and just looking for a, a bit of a reaction to the last performance?
0: Do we assume that Kingsley's back? I really don't know. Um,
1: okay, uh, so Cochrane's
0: got to play anyway,
1: hasn't it? Co- Cochrane, Cochran will be available, so it'd be
0: Cochran okay. So yes, so Co- Cochrane starts. I mean, it's it's a home game. We're probably going to have more of the ball. We're, the intensity of the crowd. I, I'd like to think last week was a blip. I think we saw enough against Ross County in the first half against Celtic to give them another go. Question would be, and I, I brought up last week and kind of sided with with um, with you about Hill staying at right back because he, he was good uh, in the previous game. Atkinson came on, made a difference. Do
1: we play Atkinson at right back mm. instead of Hill? What do you think? If, if Duke is not available, I would potentially play Atkinson. I would be...
2: You know what I would do? Is I would go, yep. th- go three at the back, play Hill at right <laughs> centre back. Play Hill, at, <laughs> Hill, play Hill at right centre back, zurück in the middle, rolls... And then play Atkinson and Cochran as wing back. I think that's just. What's, what's the, the right thinking position? behind.
0: Fair, okay. Because there's no doubt that Atkinson, I don't particularly want to see him as a right back. But as a right wing back, when he knows he's got more protection behind him, then that's, that's different. Um, if they go, which they normally do, the one up top, and then they have attacks from out wide, do we need the three? Does that take away an extra man in midfield?
1: Given. Um, Given how we think? performed with the three in recent months, I'd be very surprised um, if we switched to that. But you know, uh, my feeling would be generally, if 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 Duke is out, I would be more comfortable playing Atkinson. I'd hopefully, we get forward, but he's so dangerous guy. And he plays off that left hand side so much. Um, I, I would be inclined, and I know sometimes they don't, don't, don't. don't Tweak things and think about the opposition too much, but he's probably the most dangerous player outside the Celtic Rangers that you're going to face. Um, I, I would maybe be inclined to go with Hill if, if Duke does make it.
0: And we're I, assuming I, that Haring wins his appeal. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes, I, I'm assuming he'll win it. <laughs> uh,
2: if, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, I think. I I'm, I remain a bit uncomfortable with Civic and Rolls as a centre backs in a back four. So I think if you if you put Hill in there, it adds something to your central defence. Solidifies it a bit, yeah. Yeah, because we spoke about it. That's been a that has been a problem. And I know three at the back didn't work for long enough. But I actually think the players that we have that that's there's more than playing their natural positions that way. And I, and I would also again I'm a bit biased. I, I would like to see Grant play because I think I think he offers a lot, and I think he's I think he's been a little bit hard done by so far this Grandf- season. Like, Grandfather like Oda. Well, if, if well, Atkinson, you play
0: Atkinson, then you've got to have two two miss out. So who would those two be? Uh,
2: yes, yeah, one of the midfielders. I, I, I'm not sure I would play. I'm not sure I would play Harding in this game. I thought. Okay. Really? I think. De- uh, yeah, I think. I, I thought he looked
1: de- really good in there. Ross County game uh, in the first half against Celtic when we were the way we set up.
2: Maybe, maybe I think I think Devlin. If you if you play three at the back, I think Devlin can cope with the scrappier midfield role, and then you can play bring in another footballer for want of a better phrase to to get you up the pitch and, and create stuff. Know. And I I would like to see Grant involved, but I, I, I don't know. I get the point for playing Harring. but I'm I, I'm a bit bemused. I mean, I don't know he had concussions I know he was out for a while, but I'm. I'm kind of amused at how Haring has been gone from being so far out of the picture to suddenly he's an automatic first pick again. I don't know, I don't quite know how that's happened, but anyway, that's a that's another story.
1: I just I feel there's a lot of shuffling there to um to the team for for this game. For me anyway, I I know that St. Mirren was poor, but I'm not so much, I'm not i I'm not sure it was a formation um a formation issue is the main thing anyway I'd be inclined to stick to very similar formation and try and emulate what we did against Ross County and what we were doing against Celtic um, I guess the question over right back for me would just, that would partly depend on opposition um, yeah. but but whether Stephen Smith will see it that way I don't know um, great, uh, so looking at the teams uh, what are we going to go with We'll go with the prediction. Mark, what do you think? Give us a score line and a scorer. One 0 Janelli.
0: Nervy. Nervy. One 0 Janelli
1: but... and he seals himself a new contract. Um much to Ewan <laughs> Murray's chagrin.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you think then,
2: Ewan? Uh no, I think I think Hearts will win this game. Two nothing. I think I think this could be a rousing home performance. Again, it, it's hard to get away from that that freakish stat about how the whole team just keeps winning this game so yeah
1: I would not be, since yeah what, what since was the, the old main stand
2: is that right so that was the, the last game when Jamie Walker was sent off
1: May 2017 I won 2-1 final game played in front wow. of the old main stand that's yeah. the last time there was that's an six away. years ago wow that's the last time there was an away winner when these two sides played I remember I
2: remember that game that was that was grim um <laughs> No, I I, I I think I think there's reasons to be upbeat. They've got to go for it. They've got to be full throttle from the start. And I expect they will be. And and I think they'll they'll score a couple of goals. I'm maybe being a bit optimistic saying they won't concede any. But um no, I I I am gonna go for two 0 I think I think we're gonna have an interesting
0: last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr Dunsar, what you got for us?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm I- I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic and this is partly based on Duke not playing, so I've reserved the right to um to call that out if um he does play in that scuppers this. But I'm gonna go two nil hearts. Um
2: nah, I'm did, not Duke, gonna... did did Duke play during that five 0 demolition and um
1: He did, he got subbed.
2: Right. So do do we need to be this is going to be famous last words, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't do, not do that.
2: Don't do that. No, but I, I just mean there's no, there's no need to wildly panic about individual players. I mean, he, he played in that game as well. He's not
0: Peter Weir. He's not Villa Van der
1: Ark. I'm going to go
2: more more, 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 Mickey Weir than Peter Weir. Is that what you're saying?
0: Oh, well, I...
1: I'm going to go two 0 and I am going to. Throw in a bit of a curveball scorer. I'm going to go with no because Tommy Harrison. I was I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say Peter Haring, but I'm going to jinx somebody. He's not going to win his appeal if he does that. I'm going to go with Alex Cochran to get a goal. Oh, remember when he used to bomb up the wing, get
0: in I the missed, box, take shots.
1: missed a bloody open goal against Aberdeen. The Patadre, so he's two one.
2: I, I think he's been an underappreciated player I, I, I think he's been he's different right, this
1: Alex season Cocker, yeah, yeah. And, I,
2: and, I, and I thought I thought I couldn't have been at I remember he got taken off Yeah. I think at half time I, I thought a couple of times he was a little bit made even make it to half time was it before was it I remember he taken off I, and, and a couple of times I thought he was kind of it looked as if he, was, he got the blame and got the brunt of stuff and there was more experienced players than him
0: that were was a head scratcher how he never got back into the team and how Kingsley was I preferred think, when they were both available
2: I think is a really good player, and including on the basis. I think he's an, I like asset to the, he's, a, he's an asset to the club. I think he should be sold for a decent amount of money. So I, I'm a big fan of Alex Cochrane. I think he's maybe been underappreciated certainly over the last six months or so.
1: Back in the team, he's going to get in the score sheet. So whatever happens, we'll be back next week to discuss it. Thanks to you and for joining Mark and myself this week. Uh, hopefully, one of our predictions is right. We've all gone with the right result at least. Um, did we get a but... scorer from you? Ewan
2: oh no 2-0 uh, win Shankwind will score and
0: that's enough
2: and and nah see I, I would have got I would have Cochran would have probably up my sleeve as well you, you
1: just did need one Shankland. just do right. one we, we just do one you'll have to give them all, all right
0: Shankwind so will score do you fancy okay. happy hour at Sticky Lips Barbecue next door Ewan <laughs> right'
1: I'll leave you yeah. to that you can that's Thank that's you. an after hours recording right <laughs> um thanks all we'll be back next week.